Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Praise the Lord. So continuing on with the themes from the Apostles' Creed, we have come to that little phrase, I believe, credo, in the church universal. Can we say church universal? It's a loaded, packed revelation of a reality that in America and in this season, for every member of this ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones, it's absolutely vital that each cell, each ligament, each bone, each organ, each aspect of the church have a fresh reckoning with who we are, not just individually, but how our individualism uniquely fits into the whole functioning, vibrant body of Christ. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's little book, The Cost of Discipleship, he says, Jesus calls them the salt of the earth. Salt, the most indispensable necessity of life. The disciples are the highest good the supreme value which the earth possesses. For without them, it cannot live. They are the salt that sustains the earth. For their sake, the world exists. Talk about look in the mirror, throw your shoulders back, head up. For their sake, the world exists. In casting out the disciples, the earth is destroying its very life. You are vital. We are vital. The body of Christ is vital. He says, now that they are bound exclusively for Jesus, they are told to look at the earth whose salt they are. It is to be noted that Jesus calls not himself, but his disciples, the salt of the earth. It's different than just saying, you know, you're, you're a regular Joe. It's kind of the way we use that phrase, the salt of the earth. That is not the revelation of Scripture. The revelation of Scripture is that the disciples are literally that imperishable, supreme value that the earth holds as vital for its own existence. <laughs> His disciples are the salt of the earth, for he entrusts his work on earth to them. The whole earth is committed into the disciples' keeping. But only as, it re as long as it remains salt and retains its cleansing, savoring properties can the salt preserve the earth. For its own sake, as well as for the sake of the earth, the salt must remain. The salt must remain. Look at your neighbor and say, the salt must remain. The salt must remain. Your vital presence, day by day, in every situation in this life, in all of your circumstance, you are the vital supreme value. 
because it is Christ in you and we together in him in the earth. The disciple community must be faithful to the mission which the call of Christ has given it. That will be its proper function on earth and will give it its preservative power. It is not for the disciple to decide whether they will be the salt of the earth. For so they are, whether they like it or not. They have been made the salt of the earth by the call they received. The call of Christ makes those who respond to it the salt of the earth in their total existence. May you be salty. Super salty. Super, super, super salty. Salty. Salty dog. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, in continuing on with the theme of the church, I believe in the church. I do believe in the church. My life is devoted to the nourishment, the upbuilding, and the success of the body of Christ and members individually. Each one of us together in all that God has called us to do. So today I want to talk just a little bit about the body. But I will tell you, this may go all over the place because I've asked Rich to hang out up here. We had the opportunity a few years ago to do something called Zion College and we have found that the opportunity to open the conversation when we're together is something that allows for revelation and the takeaway to be much more profound oftentimes than us sitting in our little head box in a chair and listening to someone talk for a while and then we get up and leave. So, Father, we pray today, Holy Spirit, we recognize you are the Lord of the church present with us as teacher and counselor, and we invite you, Lord, to open our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our bodies to your presence today, that we may receive not only nourishment, but revelation, encouragement, and inspiration, and fresh fire, Lord, that there may be dots that come together, things, Lord, that maybe in the gap right now, that today would be the day, as you met with Zacharias when he went into the temple to offer incense, and the angel was standing there waiting to answer prayers of barrenness that had been in he and Elizabeth's life for years. We ask for an in, a divine encounter today. In Jesus' name. The body. The body of Christ. Deuteronomy 32.9 says, for the Lord's portion is his people. The first purpose of redemption is for God to bring his redeemed people into a direct personal relationship with himself. And the second purpose of redemption is that God makes the redeemed into his own possession. The Bible calls it a special treasure, God said it himself, a peculiar people, different from all other people on the earth. Say different. 
Say it, say it again. Say it again. Friends, there is a flood coming out of the serpent's mouth, washing across our nation and many nations today that say, you need to be the same as what culture is accepting. You need to agree with this river of humanism and atheism and antichrist. But we are called to be the salt and to be the different people. God invests in people. He's more concerned about people than about things. And all of his purposes ultimately center around his redeemed people. Ephesians 1.13, beginning with 13. Can we just stand up for a moment? We're going to read this together. This is the word of the Lord. And today we bring ourselves to the word of God, allowing it to confront us, allowing ourselves to meld into it. Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can take out your Bibles. Let's read together, saints. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, And your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all to the church. Amen. The church which is his body... The fullness of him who fills all in all. Can we say that again? The church which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Say amen. Amen. Give the word of God a rousing hand. Show your agreement today. The church which is his body. Who fills all in all. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated.
Ephesians gives us seven pictures of God's people. We are called the assembly or ecclesia. We are called the body, the body of Christ. We are called his workmanship, his poem, his masterpiece. We are called his family or household. We are called his temple, the building where God dwells. We are called his bride, his wife. And that seal of promise, the Holy Spirit, is the engagement pledge like in Israel of old, like Mary and Joseph when she was found to be with child. The engagement was as good as the marriage. It set apart the woman until her groom came from the father's house to collect her. We have been given an engagement ring, if you will. The spirit of God who is with us, who sanctifies us, sets us apart, and is preparing us as a bride without spot or wrinkle. Thank God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? <laughs> and we are his army, his soldiers. There are three basic questions we must ask ourselves regarding each type that Scripture puts forth. What purpose of God does it serve? What is required in our attitude and conduct toward God? What is required in our attitude and conduct in relation to each other? And this morning, I would like for us to think for a few minutes about the body, the body of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, a quote from Psalm 40, Jesus speaking prophetically through David, and he says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. A body is to do a will. Whether it's your body doing your will or his body doing his will, or your body doing his will. The significance of the eternal, pre-incarnate son who became human flesh was given a body for a particular mission that was the will of God. And that was to enter into our state and to assume upon himself all of our missing the mark, to literally swallow death in penalty and punishment for the sins of humankind, descend into hell, and by the Father's power be raised up again, as the firstborn from the dead. 
in order that the human race might follow him in like kind. And when he ascended into heaven and sat down on God's right hand, the father looked at him and he said, Reign until I make all of your enemies your footstool. Christ reigns from his throne, his rod of authority, through his body. Say authority. authority. Rule. Rule. Praise the Lord. A body to do his will. It's speaking of the incarnation. It's speaking of the divine exchange that took place on Calvary where it was no longer the blood of bulls and goats, but it was literally the human blood that flowed out of the human body of the Lord Jesus Christ that made the great exchange. There is a significance in the actual form and structure and the miracle and mystery of the human body, literally. I was caused to briefly refresh my reflections on what's happening inside of these unique forms that we walk around in that are symmetrically woven together and produced from a single cell that splits in a woman's womb when it encounters the seed of man. And the billions of actions that take, take place. All the tiny little cells with codes in them to bring about specific structure and adapt and create systems and tissues and organs and systems of organs and cover it with skin and give it eyes and nerve endings and fingers and ears that hear but don't hear too loudly otherwise we'd be confused and go crazy all the time. The uniqueness of what it means to possess a body, a miracle of structure Better than the best architect could build a building. Because this one can stand up straight and can walk. It's a miracle. Those bones, if they didn't have ligaments and tendons, and then muscles added on, and then a skin covering, nevertheless, the organ systems inside like lungs and heart in order to make it all work. It's a divine symphony. You truly are a poem, a masterpiece. But we are also a living reminder, a symbol of the whole of the living Christ in the earth called his body. And each body individually can be a potential reminder. Your head has to be connected to your feet. If it's not, well, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I was hurrying to go somewhere, and I had on a pair of pants that, you know, flowed out 
at the bottom. And as I was rushing, the toe of this leg caught the pant leg of this leg. And when they wrapped around one another, I was, I was moving fast. I was being flung to the cement. And I didn't have time to think rationally, reach out and grab the pole and stick your hand out and catch yourself. My brain did that on its own, thank God. And my body cooperated. That's the miracle. Your feet need to be connected to your head. Likewise, as the feet of Jesus, we need to stay connected to his head. And that old thing that worked in me like a trigger, that's a type of how the Holy Ghost works with us and speaks with us. That little quick, still voice that we so often say, oh, man, that was the Lord, wasn't it? And I missed it. When I was a young disciple trying to learn to hear the voice of the Lord, I used to use my grocery shopping trips as my lab time. And I would go and I would get what was on my list, but inevitably I would be impressed specifically that Mahesh was going to ask me for X, Y, Z, not necessarily the regular things on the list. And I got to tell you, Almost every time that I didn't pick up the X, Y, Z, when I got home, he would ask for the X, Y, and Z. And I realized the Lord was trying to help me learn how to hear the Holy Spirit. It was just one little lesson, one little lesson. Anyway. Why did he need a body to do God's will? That's Jesus. Why did he need a body? Because the will of God, the redemptive purpose of God for the human race could not be fulfilled except that Christ assumed a human body existent in the human realm. The wonder of the gospel should get us up every morning with a big smile on our, on our face and a swelling heart of thanksgiving. We are part of the greatest act and intervention of the creator of the cosmos. And it's a miracle that you and I believe. Because according to scripture, and if anybody is self-aware at all, we are rather slow to get it. And even if it's presented to us, we are often rebellious. Would prefer our own way. To think my thoughts, go my way, pursue my passion. Jesus pursued a passion, the passion of the Father. And it took him to the hill of Calvary in his body. To do his will. The body is the agent to carry out his will. When I was hurtling rich to the cement... And instinctively, my head told my hands, reach out, grab that post, put your hand down and keep yourself from falling. My, my face was saved. <laughs> my knee was saved. My shoulders and my arms, however, had a lasting impact that I'm still working with a little bit today. 
My hands were literally bruised the next several days because the impact on my whole uh, left side would have otherwise been so severe, no telling what would have been bruised. But I haven't been subject to any kind of a pain in my body that caused me to think twice about doing anything for a long, long time. And it's interesting that in this season and thinking about the body, I've been particularly aware because at any moment, if I do a regular movement, particularly with this arm, that I just do without even thinking 100, 200, 300 times a day, it can knock me to the floor. <laughs> so I'm, I've had to think about the joints and the symmetry and the harmony required for a body to function. And of course, it has made me appreciate all the more the body of Christ. Consider the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus said, pray this way, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it implies the self-offering of the one making that prayer. It's not, here am I, Lord, send Ron. It's implying that of my whole self, I am engaged to do your will. We need a revival on personal revelation and commitment to the will of God. And friends, the will of God is not just for our individual pursuit of personal passion. Can we contemplate the possibility that what is required for the salt to be the salt for the sake of the earth and God's redemptive purpose in people is that we be able to consider how our own passion must actually be in alignment with his passion. And if it's not, perhaps it's a dead end, a work of the flesh. Particularly in America, something that Rich has said often in the watch the last few months, Jesus is not a life coach. He's the Lord of glory. He is the one who saves us from ourselves and from eternal damnation. <laughs> Through his body, he has taken away the otherwise penalty of death that was on us individually. But more than that, he has gathered in himself with all of those who have believed in him a living body in the earth that is meant to be a symphony, a harmony working together not to pursue its own passion, but to do his will. The body of Christ is God's agent in the earth. And the head have to be connected to the feet. The first time we see this connection of head and feet, you know where it is? It's in Genesis 3. In the fall of man. Where somehow those first creatures 
saw something that appealed to their passion. Beautiful to look at, good to eat, and enticing in terms of my elevation, myself forward. And it was abjectly from the thief, from the robber, from the adversary. But they literally bit into it. They took it. And right there, the God of glory says to them in their fall, I'm coming behind. And the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent under his feet. Now there's a head foot connection. <laughs> Doesn't Romans say the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet? Be encouraged today, saints. You are the salt of the earth. You are the body of Christ. And you know, within three centuries of the apostle writing those words to Rome, the Roman Empire, the greatest power in the world up until that time, the most far-reaching, technically advanced, wealthiest, most militarized, had bowed its knee to the gospel. We need a revival of the body of Christ in the earth. We need a revival of the body of Christ in the earth. And we each, just like cells in the body, cooperate together with the call that is on them, the DNA that has been put in them divinely, to work together in a great harmony in systems of cells and tissues and organs and systems of organs to make life. Revive us again, Lord. Revive us again. Revive us again. If there is anyone in here, anyone within the sound of my voice, and you're looking for your calling, I pray today for a revelation. And I want to suggest to you a way to turn the key. <laughs> there are seven steps to knowing the will of God in your life, to walking in his calling. The first one, and in fact, all of them are written out like an outline in Romans 12, 1 through 6. First step, present your body. Why? Because when we present our bodies... That means all that is contained in here, including mind, will, and emotion, and all that this body is able to do in its creativity, its strength, its resource, are offered on the altar as a vessel to serve the living Christ and the living God. But remember, it is not just individually. We will never, each of us, Fulfill our true calling or actually find our place until we are fitted in like joints and bands and ligaments, a skeletal system, a vascular system connected to a heart come, taking its orders from the head. 
until we are fitted into the body of Christ. And I believe the greatest disservice and potential danger that exists in our world today is the way the American church has gone after individualism, pursuing personal passion as though this is the highest form of calling and endangering the whole world that imitates us. Well, I was about to ask, I was, I was thinking of a question and I was thinking, you know, 2021, the church in America, what would you say is the greatest hindrance in the body of Christ at the moment to it really changing culture like we saw in, in Rome there? I mean, I think that the question has been stirring around in me. You've been in the body of Christ, ministered for many years, travel around. Would you say that is the greatest hindrance or would you say there's something else that is an absolute key for the body in America right now? My observation is that it is that and it's twofold. Number one is that we have rejected the word of God for what it is. And we have replaced this and, you know, honestly, one of the things that has happened, it has been greatly watered down. Sound teaching is hard to find. The American church is very interested, very um, focused on uh, either pleasing the world and not being offensive to the world's culture or among the slim constituency that we often call the prophetic or the evangelistic. It's an obsession with the immediate. It is very much a sacrifice of the will of God for the pursuit of personal passion. And in that, individualism. And I think that individualism and compromising the word of God are the two things that are most significant. And I would say today, we are here today to repent of those two things, to return straight to scripture and recognize that these words are life. And we may not want to embrace the hard parts but the hard parts are our salvation. And so we're saying today that we fully embrace the word of God. Let me read you a couple of things. This is Romans 12 simply, and it will give you seven steps to finding your place in the body in order to do the will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So the Bible seems to infer that once the revelation of Christ has come to you, from that moment on, you are 100% without compromise, totally belonging to him and living that way fully in every way, every day and in obedience to his word. It's not a Sunday thing. I pray today that God will reincorporate each one of us 
and his body as a whole. That we may be presented to him as a living sacrifice. And he's not asking for anything unreasonable. He deemed our redemption valuable enough to himself to give his own body on the tree. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm extremely concerned about a younger generation whose parents have celebrated them going their own way, finding their own truth, designing their own God or no God. It's an abject failure. Of the good life God has ordained for every man, for every woman. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when you present your body, your mind comes. <laughs> that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So present your body and the rest will come. But we present ourselves every day on that altar. I just got to tell you, in Mahesh and I's life, some of you know our story. When the Lord spoke to us, he spoke to us individually and showed us we were supposed to marry one another. We weren't dating. It wasn't our particular passion to even get married, much less to marry one another. We never even had that kind of a conversation. He was my pastor. And yet there were many affirming witnesses, including the three couples who were elders in our church, that had seen beforehand that this was the will of God. And Mahesh and I both individually had committed our lives as a living sacrifice upon his altar. And so when he showed us individually we were supposed to marry one another, then it was just like, well, okay, next step. And one of the elders arranged for us to eat dinner at their home and we ate dinner and the family got up and left the table left the house and Mahesh and I were sitting there looking at each other across the table going well I guess it's kind of like Peter when Jesus said who do you say that I am was that before he took you to watch the omen or after it was only a few <laughs> days before rich and it was an omen but we had presented our bodies. I mean, there's no more presentation that's more serious than presenting your body to be married. But I got to tell you, that presentation, like all of you know, like our calling in Christ, it's a daily laying down. I delight to do your will, oh God. So I'm tempted to tell you more details, but... Thank you. I got a release from Hank not to go there. But do you see, what I didn't know about my calling is that as I presented myself as a living sacrifice to what God had said in that moment, that was his will, 
This is good. This is what God wants. It's good for me to do what God wants. My actual calling was contained in that presentation of my body. And it has been an unfolding, just like it says here. Good, and then it becomes acceptable. I accept this calling, Lord. I, I embrace it. And ultimately, the perfect, all that he ordained for our lives. Can you say good? The will of God is good. The will of God is good. I accept the will of God. The will of God is perfect for me. Comments? I think one of my, this is really good stuff. And I think what you said about individualism and the commitment of fresh scripture, I, I, that's, I think that's very profound and very key. I, and I think this focus on, on the will of God on a practical day-to-day -day basis of presenting ourselves every day and whatever the cost. And there's one of my favorite, I've got a lot of favorite scriptures, but one of them is where Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul is really saying, commit to the will of God. And then he says, for it is God who works in you to willing act according to his good pleasure. And I think the encouragement, I think where I'm going with this, that encouragement of the will of God is that he himself is in me and he is working in me to will and act according to his good purpose. So out of the new nature, I can make that decision with he's actually, literally, it's almost like he's urging us on inside, in a sense, to be able to obey the will of God. And I think that that new covenant, which I think the corporate gathering, when we come together and get filled with the Holy Spirit and get strengthened, is, is so practically on a Monday morning, I can get up with him in me, strengthened in the corporate meetings. I can get up raising my family. I can get up go to work. I can get up, be faithful to the Lord. I can get up, deal with the trial, deal with the challenge. But I think on individual, and I know as we were talking, I think for me as a personality, it's probably my greatest weakness is independence. I can spend hours alone and really enjoy it. And it's, for me, I've been on vacation for three weeks, been out of corporate meetings, and I feel it after three weeks. I feel that, that that strengthening, I've got to get back into the what? I've got to get back into a Sunday morning. I've got to get back into what the corporate brings. So I don't flake off and get lukewarm and get weak and compromise and get discouraged. So it's that scripture. He's in us, working in us. It's a will and act to his good pleasure. It's that inner life that helps me. All right, Lord. And let's remember 
the real big picture. He is daily working to prepare us for the ultimate event. Who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? Come on. The, the return of the Lord, which is the eternal perspective. Right. Your daily presenting your body is your daily announcement that you are prepared, preparing, watching, waiting, expecting at any moment to see him face to face. And the Bible says when we see him, we will be like him. There's going to be a transformation where no longer will that body that is carrying you now will be subject to death or pain or suffering or sorrow. Wow. And listen, it's too easy to get in our routine and get in our habit and not realize that any day could be our last. That's the truth. That's the truth. We need a come-to-Jesus moment today. I appreciate John sharing his testimony. The patience of God. Raising that child in a, I mean, Joey and Ruth. Are you kidding? How could you be around Joey and Ruth for 23, 25 years? And still, no, I'm going to do my own thing. The patience of God. Like the angel met Zacharias, Lord, we pray for an encounter today. God, I pray for a God-shine-out moment of fresh encounter. By your grace, Holy Spirit, dwelling with each one, I pray. Kiss the face of God. Kiss the face of God. Kiss the face of God. For I say through the grace given to me that every man, to, sorry, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. So what does it take? Humility. Jesus is our example. He humbled himself, taking on the likeness of a man. And when he woke up as a mortal, he said, I'm a slave to the will of God. This body is for his pleasure. And I think that that one, speaking of the American church, (laughs) not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think reasonably and rationally. And we've talked about this. My perspective on the events of last year, for instance, in America, in all of the prophecy saying about the election going a certain way, and it didn't turn out, and people so disappointed and angry and shocked in various things, and really, large parts of that particular constituency are believing Christians. And I want to suggest that God totally answered our prayers. Do you know why? Because we had gotten away from the main things being the main things. 
for too long the American church has had its little, you know, vision axle or vision wrapped around the axle of four-year presidential cycles. Seriously? We are in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. <laughs> and all things are working together. God gave us a gift in saying, Church, what are you focusing on? Church, where are your affections? What are you looking at? What are your lives revolving around? And I'm not saying those things weren't important, but I'm saying all of those things need to come under a recognition of the vision for the redemptive purpose of God in the earth. It was a blessing, and specifically because the prophetic ministry actually needed a correction. And do you know what the correction is? Not whether they're getting right, it's right or wrong in the word, but whether it's integrated, whether it's a part of the working symphony of the body of Christ in right order or standing on its own over here as a mouthpiece. I believe that's, that's the answer. God was saying, if you'll, if you'll look at it, if you'll see it, prophetic, you need to be in your place. And in the New Testament, the prophetic is not the head. In the New Testament, the prophets came and submitted their word to the elders in a city before it was ever published to the whole body. It was judged. It went through that filter. And together, apostles, teachers, pastors decided if this was the word of the Lord, how we're going to go about this, how we're going to present it. And I know personally of young pastors who trusted the prophets and aligned their whole church behind individual prophets' words. And when it didn't happen, the way it was said, suddenly their whole church was in an identity crisis. Churches have split over what happened. That's absolute insanity. And it's so far off the mark. This is why I'm saying we need to get back to the basics, back to the Bible and out of individualism into the corporate reality of the body of Christ working together as a symphony. Well, it's interesting because I remember Pastor Mahesh said something a couple of years ago, one of his nuggets. He said, the prophetic has to have the apostolic over it and alongside it. And that has, that has never let, I mean, as a prophetic individual, it is so easy to get off. You know, one minute you can be hearing the Lord so clear, and if you, don't, you can get into pride thinking, well, I'm always going to hear the Lord clearly. Next to me, you can be in the flesh just like that. And it has to be, you ha I think, I'm eagerly desiring more prophetic and see it, but it has to be with increasing knowledge of Scripture, and it has to be submitted to a local leadership and apostolic team, because we can be so wrong. I believe the main prophetic work 
should be localized within a locale, within local church bodies, in harmony together in a city and a region. A general word, a prophetic word. The idea that in America we have commercialized this thing we call prophecy and have so taken it out of its context that so many Christians get up every morning to see what some prophet they don't have anything to do with is saying about what God's will is. This is, I mean, this is not rocket science. It is not rocket science. But I submit that to you, that that was a blessing from the Lord because he's trying to get us in order that we might truly be the salt that is preserving the earth. That we might truly have a word that the world cannot deny. But it's going to be the corporiety of the body with every member in their place and the gifts functioning according to that grace. Anyway, the other one is COVID. A horrible scourge. But do you know what it's done? It's been the ultimate litmus test for each of us and for the church in general to get its temperature taken, to find out where our faith is, where our values are, where our priorities are, how we deal with crisis. Both of those things are huge answers to decades of prayers prayed for revival and if we will see them properly this is a moment of turning this is a moment of awakening this is a moment of correction thank God thank God and can we say Lord we receive your correction the things I'm saying may be causing you consternation inside you may be saying no I believe that this is a challenge from the Lord to at least get you thinking. My goodness. If we can't even have our prophecy judged or discussed without somebody getting offended, what are we going to do about the global economic crisis that is threatening on every side? Right? Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And by the way, I would just like to say, some of the prophets, our friends, who then did apologize, I, I'm not sure that I agree with that. I think there should have been a discussion, a wider discussion in the public forum. I mean, if you're going to put your prophecies out. As the church, we should have been able to talk about that in the public forum to the body of Christ and be honest, have an honest conversation. Where did we miss it? How did we not judge it? How did we not apply it properly? What happened here? And what is that telling us? And where do our priorities lie? How does the prophetic and prophecies fit into our lives, fit into the church, all of those? It was a beautiful opportunity. And an answer to prayers. Not everything has worked out yet in this nation. The things that happened in our election precipitated something called January 6th, and that was a moment. And I'll just be honest with you, that was no insurrection. But what happened in the wake of that 
showed us all some more about what has been going on at the highest levels of influence, been forming our lives, and we have been unaware. Is that too much? That was a blessing. And now we're seeing that our so-called justice system in abject denial of the very words of our own Constitution and Bill of Rights has been holding people without any charges in jail for months. I believe what's happening in this nation politically and culturally are signs of revival. Let me tell you something. The first revival that hit Jerusalem, there were a bunch of people who were happy and rejoiced and received it, but it caused riots everywhere. People went to jail. All kinds of things happened. Jesus said, I haven't come to make peace. I've come to bring a sword. Members of the same house are going to be split because one's going to follow me and one's not. Maybe that's what he meant when he said one will be taken, one will be left. But we're not going to talk about the rapture. <laughs> According has God, here's the steps. We're on step number five. Present your body, your mind will come along, be renewed. You'll be able to then say the will of God is good. I accept it. It's perfecting the grace in my life. Not to think more highly of myself than I ought to think. According as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Say, I got a measure. I have a measure. I have a measure. And you know all those parables about the ones who had a measure and took it and wisely used the measure? They got more. Exercise your measure to its fullest extent. I probably could, could just go out on a limb here and say of myself and everybody in this room, we have not come near exercising the full measure of faith that God has given us individually, much less as a body together. I want to see resurrections. I've seen a couple in Africa. I want to see them here. I want to see God give a real answer, some real answers. I don't know. Maybe it's digital currency. But real answers. The wisdom of the just in the church for the possibility of massive difficulties economically for families in this nation and abroad. Present your bodies. For as we have many members in one body. Say many, many. Are, one. are one. I'm thinking of Lancewell now. As one. <laughs> Go Lance. I love Lance. He's awesome. We need more Lances. We need more thinkers. And honestly... Lance got, you know, really intense on the whole prophecy. And I'm like, Lance, get back in your lane. Get back in your lane. You're a thinker. You're a philosopher. You're a guy that's supposed to challenge us on the big ideas. You're supposed to get us off the little chicken line. You know, I, I came from a ranch. It is true that you can take a chicken, a live chicken, and put its beak in the sand and draw a line, and it will stay there. All kinds of stuff can be happening, including the man with the axe coming up behind him. And he'd just stay right there with his little beak on the line. God wants to get our beak off the line. And 
Guys like Lance in their lane. It challenges you, challenges me to think wider than just me, my four, no more, what's happening to me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? And that's good because together we become the salt in the earth. I would like to see more women that are really challenging the body of Christ to think big, to think wide, to think philosophically, to think about the serious issues of the world. And not just dealing with the poor. It needs to be bigger than that. So, for we, for as we have many members in one body, say many one, and all members have not the same office, not the same function, so we being many are one body. Remember all those cells, creating systems, tissues, organs, organ systems, life. And everyone members of one another. <laughs> Lord, help us today to be reintegrated. To literally become conjoined and interdependent with one another. That every joint can supply and the body is nourished together to be built up. That's the importance of not being individualist and in our own little thing with my own little calling, my own vision, my own pursuit. No, but integrated according to the grace God has given us with our gifts functioning together in the whole body, edifying and growing up, uh, being nourished together and growing up into Christ. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, so on and so forth. So, what do we do first? Come on. Present our bodies. Can we stand up? Rich, I want to just welcome you to comment. Yeah, the other thing I felt was very important is stick with the local church body that God has placed you in. This church hopping and nomadic mm -hmm. Christianity, it, it, we talk about get lavished afresh with the Father's love and then we, we love one another. I am astounded reading the book of Corinthians 1 and 2 of how Paul was utterly faithful to that divided, morally struggling, and immature church. And there's probably many times he'd have thought, I, could cut, I can cut loose of this relationship, of these relationships. And I feel it's very important that just because a local church has weaknesses, strugglings, and failings, that we get offended and we leave and hop off somewhere else. And you probably will come across the same weaknesses, failings, and strugglings there. I feel that there is a, a, an encouragement from the Lord to it, it, stay faithful in, in that body that God has placed you in. And I think there's a disease of our times and an idealism almost. You go to a church or go to a body and it's, well, it's not Acts chapter 2 here. I'm going somewhere else. Well, 
stay there and encourage it and pray for it and bless it and serve it and help it get to Acts 2. That's good. We don't just, because there's weaknesses and failings, he, Jesus is bride, it's his, it's his wife, it's his bride, he loves his bride, warts and all. And can I just say something on that? Don't, don't back off. Can we repent today of bad-mouthing the body of Christ? Can we repent and put behind us all denigrating of the church? As you said, that's Jesus' wife, and he takes it personal. He takes it personal. Look at what Jude says. Jude says, the angels who didn't talk about finding your place, right? And just like the human body is a system, there is a hierarchy. Can you say hierarchy? We are the ultimate generation of rejecting authority of every kind, of any kind of order, so on and so forth. That is complete antithesis to the kingdom of God. Psalm 133, the oil, the anointing on the head, on Jesus flowing down to the edge of the robes. There is a symmetry and a hierarchy and an order. And our gifts function within that context. And always it is under the head. But, you know, the arm can say, you know, I'm an arm unto myself. Float, float, float off out there. I found there was an interesting story. Did you see the story about the guy that had two arm transplants? Show him that picture. This guy, um, his name is Fernando Gretarsen. 23 years ago, this guy, he was an electrician, and he was fixing a power line, a regular power line that, that serviced 500 homes, and he grabbed the wrong wire. And his arms caught on fire. And his friends ran with their helmets with, filled with water to try and put the fire out. And it burned his arms. And then the doctors kept trying to keep him from getting gangrene. And little by little, they chopped him all the way back to the shoulders. But that guy, he went through drug addiction. His family, his home fell apart, all that because of this terrible disaster. And then... He heard of an opportunity, and if he would get his life back together, get it cleaned up, that he might have an opportunity to pursue getting arms. 23 years he pursued, and literally just recently, successful double arm transplants. And as of this last week, he can actually bend the head, and all those things are growing through those transplanted arms. And his head is telling this engrafted arm to bend, and he's begun to move. And the doctors say it's going to take a couple of years for all of those connectors to grow all the way to the fingers where he'll have full movement and all of that. Absolutely amazing. But think of his commitment. Talk about present your body daily. Through the pain, 54 operations. They had to keep him in a coma for three or four months because of the pain and the horror. But that inspired me about what a body can do. If it's connected to the head, <laughs> what a body can do. And here's another one. I got to show you this other one. This, this guy inspired me too. This is Lou Hollander. Have you heard of Lou Hollander? Guess what? He's 91 and he is a triathlete champion. 91. He got married last year. 
in St. Thomas. And I, I, he, he's a U.S. Navy physicist guy. But talk about present your bodies. And he simply, he hadn't done anything miraculous. He literally has just, he began presenting his body when he was about 40 years old. And here he is. He's believing he's going to live to 107. That he's still going to be doing these triathletes when he's 100. And he's 91 now. What a body can do if it will present itself. Present itself daily. Praise the Lord. Do you want to finish your thought? I just, you know, I just want to encourage us afresh. Stay, stay the course in the local church and help it grow and mature to what God's called it to be. You know, we can, we can see faults, failings, and weaknesses from two perspectives. Satan sees them when it accuse and condemn and tear us down. Jesus sees them. And really, he laid down our, his life for our weaknesses. So we have to carry that heart into the local church. Let me bring my graces to help it get to where it's called to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You won't get there if it doesn't. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible suggests. I won't get there unless you get there. You won't get there unless I get there. Each one of us in our place like scripture says, with every joint supplying nourishment. And what are those joints? They're relationships between people in a grand symphony, a harmony called the body of Christ. But guess what? It's connected to a head. You remember when John saw the throne? Jesus sitting on the throne? What was around the throne? One of several things. 24 other thrones with people on them, with crowns on them, dressed in judges' robes. The authority of heaven functions through delegated human authorities. And Jude, the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode... He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 8, if there was ever a single verse that describes this generation, this modern cultural shift, it is. These dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries these speak evil of whatever they do not know whatever they know naturally like brute beasts see the problem with not renewing your mind see the problem with not presenting your body to the right service to the right God to the right Lord to the right will to the good to the acceptable to the perfect which is the will of God like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them. They've gone in the way of Cain, pursuing their own passion in that frenzy, able to murder a brother out of jealousy. Run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. He's a case. 
I mean, the man who literally, he said it, who sees, he thought with eyes open, sees what the will of the Lord. But he equivocated one, two, three times because they kept saying, here, here's a little more cash. Here's a little more cash. Come over here. Come over here and do our will. Now, and then the, the other one, the rebellion of Korah. So can we say today we're going to present our bodies and not be a part of the great rebellion any longer? Are you brave enough, willing enough to exercise the measure of faith that God has given you? Do you willing to lay down your life? So once again, the seven. Present your body. Say present your body. Present your body. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Prove, God's will. Prove God's will. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Exercise your measure of faith. Find your place and function there. And then appropriate the charismas, the gifts. The final step in finding your place is to appropriate the gifts of the Spirit in order to function successfully in that place. And let me just say this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are to enable you to do supernaturally something you cannot do in your own natural strength and wisdom. Isn't that beautiful? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's got a purpose. So I want to thank you for your presence and your patience today. I believe the Lord is with us. I believe that Jesus loves his body. And he wants us to be connected to the head and functioning. And so for all of those places and pieces that may have been cut off from the head... In the last season of our lives, I pray today for a fresh ingrafting and a connection to the head, just like Fernando and those arms that are growing to usefulness. His dream, he said, was for the day when he could actually use those arms to hug his wife and children. Let us embrace one another. And may God give us grace to be the salt that he has declared we are. Give it to you. I think it'd be good just to, let's just raise our hands. Let's just focus on the Lord. And raise our hands to the Lord. And so, Father, we just come before you afresh this morning. And we offer ourselves afresh, offer our bodies afresh as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable act of service. Lord, afresh, we believe in our hearts. And I want you to say this after me. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. And I offer my body as a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable act of worship. Fill me afresh now, Lord. Fill me afresh. Baptize me afresh in the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptize me afresh in the Holy Spirit and fire. Fill us, Lord, 
with all knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, to know your will. Place us, Lord, in the right position in the body of Christ, where we may bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.